Coming up on Chase the Natty, it's another weekend filled with spring games, and it's just all so much to keep up with. Do we have a winner of the Alabama quarterback competition? Are we buying into the Travis Hunter hype at Colorado? Are we seriously going to dig up the Shuck versus Morton Texas Tech QB battle debate? To add to all of the craziness, the spring transfer portal window has opened back up and we'll be covering some of the most impactful names and changes there. Our guest month continues as we bring on Kevin Coleman, host of the Devi Royale, to cover it all with us. All this and more coming right after this. Junior touchdown! Marvelous Mark! Ball next to the outside, dropped down for Franklin! Oh, majestic! Touchdown! This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. All right, welcome in everybody. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chase and Daddy podcast. I hope you guys have a wonderful ride to your work on this Monday morning. Y'all, it has been a crazy, crazy uh, day for me. Uh, It has been so hard to keep up with everything, and so I had to bring in the big guns. We got a lot to cover. Um, Spring games, we got the transfer portal opening back up. Honestly, both of these topics could probably do their own show, but unfortunately... I only have time to do one of these shows per week. So, uh, like I said, I brought on the big guns. And um, continuing with our guest month, this month we have Mr. Kevin Coleman, host of the Devery Royale and a member of the Football Guys podcast. Kevin, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing good, man. I'm, I'm excited to be on with you. I respect you guys a lot. Uh, and you know what, damn it, they did not think about... We have so much news that we could get through the summer with. Why do they have to put the transfer portal and spring games all in one big week? Why, why can, can't we just split this up a little bit? Can right? we Can we talk about this? They had, in my opinion, a perfect window for the spring yeah. transfer portal. It was like May 1st through 15th. I'm like, okay, that's great. There's like maybe one <laughs> or two spring games are still happening around there. But like, you know, 99% of programs are have finished by that point. Then, yep. But no, they decided to move it to the 15th. <laughs> and on the 15th is when like 60% of programs are doing their spring games. And then like another 30% did them this weekend. It was like absolutely nuts. Um with all that being said, again, we got a lot to cover. We're going to cover yeah. those transfer guys. We'll be covering, um, I think we have 13 spring games that we're going to be covering today. I wish we could cover more, y'all, but uh, Kevin has this thing called a family and a life, and uh, I can't hold him hostage here for four hours. So we're going to we're gonna cut it down to just the really, really important ones. You can ask us all about it uh, on Twitter. Speaking of which, if you want to ask me any questions, I am on Twitter at CFF underscore Jared. You can also follow the show's account there at Chasing the Natty. Uh, Kevin, you want to go ahead and drop your Twitter at as well? Oh, yeah. You can follow me at Bois underscore 22. Uh, you can always DM me, ask me questions, and, and go from there. So you're more than welcome to slide in my DMs at any time. And, guys, Kevin is legitimately one of the kindest people in the fantasy football space not just in cff but just like all of fantasy football i don't think i've ever heard kevin say or do a bad thing to anybody in the space so absolutely reach out to him with all of your questions um 
But there's not just us you can talk to. You can talk to all of us over here at campusdecanton.com, which, speaking of which, go ahead and, and let's get this spiel out of the way. If you want to support what we are doing over here with this show, make sure you go over to campusdecanton.com and you subscribe there. You got three different tiers, tons of content over there. Got written content, tools, everything you need for your CFF, C2C, and Devi fantasy needs. And we got even more stuff coming your way, including the CFF guide, which will be coming out fourth of july weekend we're getting started on that right now it's a great undertaking and i cannot wait to get that to you guys later on if you're watching this on youtube make sure you do go ahead and like comment and subscribe all those wonderful things that us youtubers love to ask you guys we do have a goal of hitting a thousand subscribers by the start of the season so if you are already subscribed you can continue to help us out just by sending a link to our channel to all of your college football buddies who might be a little interested in playing some college fantasy have them come over here and we can help them out. And if you're listening to this on podcast, make sure you're following us wherever you are listening and leave those five-star reviews if you can. Kevin, like I said earlier, we got a, we got a ton of stuff to get through, so I say we go ahead and just jump right on into it. And we're first going to go ahead and cover the Portapalooza 2023 edition. Again, second window, April 15th through April 29th, a much shorter window than the first one. So we kind of already got several of our guys in here. I think we got 10 names that we'll touch on. We're not going to go by, through these one by one. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw five of the names up on the screen. I'll run through them real quick, and then we'll pick out one or two to just kind of discuss from there. So with that being said, I think I just can go ahead and put the first five names up on the board. Some of these are a little old. Some of these have been around for a little bit, but I figured we haven't really discussed them on CTN yet, so I might as well put them up here. First off, we got Trey Potts, running back out of Minnesota. He is heading over to Penn State. You got Jordan Hudson, the former four-star, borderline five-star wide receiver at TCU. We don't know where he is heading yet, but he is transferring from TCU. Day-Day Hunter, running back out of Liberty. He and his partner in crime, Shedrick, or excuse me, Shedro Lewis, are both leaving the Liberty Flames. In addition, you got Ben Bryant, quarterback out of Cincinnati, is heading out of there. And then last but not least, backup quarterback Thomas Castellanos, quarterback out of UCF, is leaving Orlando. So, Kevin, pick one or two names out here that you find the most interesting and you think either the it's impactful for where they're going to land, possibly, or the room that they're leaving behind. No, so I think number one is Jordan Hudson. I love this kid for TCU. Like, I, I think Hudson kind of got under the radar a little bit. He did a little bit with last year with DJ Allen. Like, people really high on DJ Allen going into TCU, and then Hudson kind of, you know, fell in that category. But, you know, former four-star kid, the thing that I liked about Hudson coming out, like he played six A ball in Texas, and he mm -hmm. and he and when you look at guys like this, JSN, some of these other guys that have played at that level and they produce at that level, they've always produced in, in at their in their college team. And he had twelve hundred yards, nineteen touchdowns his senior year, and he looked great. Like in twenty nineteen, he just he looked amazing. It was junior year, excuse me. Um, and in the, obviously the twenty twenty year, but like that was a guy that I was really excited about coming out, and then. It looked like going in that maybe he could kind of step up and be that one in TCU's room, and now he's in a portal. And yep. to me, it's fascinating to see. I know SMU and I think Arizona State are kind of the front runners right now, and I would love for him to go to Arizona State. I think Dillingham in that offense, I'm a, a Jaden Rashada guy. I know some people aren't, 
Um, but I do think that going forward, him and Rashada next year maybe could be that that piece. I think Rashada is going to have to develop a little bit. But like, I would love him in that offense. It gives that offense a true wide receiver one. Like, I need Hudson to go somewhere where he can like go get that wide receiver one role, go earn those targets, get that that production. Um, but I think he's the biggest name right now in the portal. Like, I think Hudson can really be a playmaker at another at another school. Yeah, I agree with 100% with you on that. I do think that of the guys who are in the portal right now, he's definitely the most impactful just on an offensive side of side of it. Obviously, you have guys on yeah. the defensive side that are pretty impactful as well. You said Arizona State. I'm a little bit hesitant on that because, again, you got Xavier Guillory over there who's been killing it. You got Elijah Badger. Again, he would be one of three options. I have no doubt he could be like one of the number one or number two option over there. But the path is much clearer, in my opinion, if he goes over to a place like SMU. Again, where your top option is probably Jordan Curley. Yes, it's never great to watch these guys go from the G5 to the P or um, go from the P5 to the G5 level from a Debbie perspective. But honestly, SMU, I'm kind of surprised is one of those schools that hasn't really taken advantage of making that jump to the next level. I know there are some talks with them going to the Pac-12. Um, but even still, I think he could go there. And from a CFF perspective, my 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 selfish reasoning over here yeah i think he would go there and he'd be the instant number one again Cor curly's fine and everything but man i think hudson would be on a complete other level over there that would be fantastic um ben bryant is another name that's kind of interesting to me here and not where he's going to land but this is one of those ones where it's the qb room that he is leaving behind it was a battle apparently between he and Embry jones throughout this spring and really neither one of them stood out in the spring game but him transferring here makes it very clear, in my opinion, that Emory Jones is winning that battle. I, I, All you Evan Prater fans out there, myself included, I think that dream is dead. I think Emory Jones will be your starting quarterback for the Bearcats in 2023, which honestly, from a CFM perspective, is a really, really good news for all of us. Because again, Scott Satterfield has been giving us Malik Cunningham the last couple of years, who's been absolutely fantastic. Hasn't had a quarterback with less than 400 rushing yards I, I can't remember in how long but it's been it's been several several years so having a dual threat quarterback with scott satterfield is always great and i fully expect emory jones to be shooting up on cff draft boards here soon um day day hunter at liberty i think surprised quite a few people actually no sorry kevin i should probably let you uh have your thoughts on emory jones at cincinnati and everything Oh, man, I don't have a ton of thoughts on that. I, man, Evan Prater, I, I love you, Evan. I wish you could have really stepped up because this is like a perfect offense for him. Like, I really felt like if Evan could have won that, but it doesn't seem like that. I will say, like, as far as like a perspective, a kid on that team that I think would benefit from memory, I think Corey Kiner is going to benefit. Like, okay. I, I was kind of on the Kiner, I was kind of on the Kiner train last year. And he didn't necessarily burn me. He just never got that usage. He got a little bit banged up. But I think Corey Kiner in that offense with Emory in there, like that's a guy you could be sleeping on right now. Like I think that the ADP from last year shifted down to this year. So now you're like, hey, I'll take a oh. shot at Corey Kiner where he's at. And I'm all bored in that. I think that the, the ADP is interesting. I think he could have some production in there. So that that's the guy in that on that team based on kind of Emory being the starter that I would definitely be buying into. Well, they only lose Charles McClellan from last year's running back room, and they have quite a few options still there in that they in do. that backfield. So I think that's the one thing that's kind of scaring people off a little bit. If they had lost just one or two more, maybe one hits the portal. Obviously, McClellan runs out of eligibility, but. I think that's why people are still not willing to buy him. But you're right. Like, there, there's value there now. You're definitely taking him up way later than we were taking him yeah. last year. So, yeah, definitely something to look out for there. Trey Potts going to Penn State. This um, broke all of our hearts because 
I was hoping that I would see Trey Potts go to Kent State, follow his old running backs coach, who's now the head coach over there at Kent State. Just absolutely go one last ride, kill it in the MAC for a year. But no, he goes and decides to be the instant RB3 at Penn State behind Katron Allen and Nick Singleton. He has to be shooting for like a graduate assistant position here or something like that. I mean, he's from he's from uh, the Penn, like around Penn State. Um, yeah, he's from he's from around Penn State, so it makes sense that he would want to go home and everything. But other than that, I can't figure out what's going on there. Now, I, I I don't know. It shocked me when I saw it, and I know some people in our Discord were talking about it too. Like I don't, you really can't rely on him now, right? Like I, no. I think bar, barring injury, if it can, I mean, Katrin Allen is someone that like he legitimately could be like a top three back in that class with Singleton. Like he's mm-hmm. a legit like he's a legit runner. Like he and they they complement each other well. The pots thing is weird. It's great for Penn State because they get some depth and yeah. they get like a like and that team's a sleeper. That's a juggernaut on that team. If, if Aller is Aller, like that team could win the big um big ten. Uh but yeah, pots as far as like fantasy goes, nah, you're that that's just a loss. That's a sunk cost at this point. Yeah. Speaking of sunk costs, I'm gonna tell people to stop drafting Day Day Hunter. Like I've been into <laughs> I've been into um best balls pretty much since this transfer and everything, and Day Day Hunter's still going in like the mid teens. I'm like, y'all, like I don't know where he lands, where he's gonna get value. Like, what are you gonna say? He goes to Auburn, like he or he like, um, like he goes to Auburn or, um, yeah, you're following Hugh Freeze over to Auburn. Well, guess what? You got Charquez Hunter over there. You got uh, Damari Alston over there. Like, they got some good options over there, y'all. I don't think Day Day Hunter is gonna come in there and be that instant RB one guy. He'd have to land somewhere perfect, in my opinion, for me to, to invest any kind of value in him. Uh, and then Thomas Castellanos, again, I think he's going to be one of those guys where we he he lands somewhere and then we probably forget about him from forever. The impact I would say is that this probably makes it very clear that Timmy McLean will be the quarterback at UCF after John Rice Plumley leaves after this year. So for UCFF Dynasty guys, go ahead and start investing in some McLean there. Yeah. Let's go and look at these next five. Um, transfers we have here a little bit less impactful guys just some names kind of thrown around here but yeah dylan goffney the wide receiver at smu a guy that a lot of people were you know kind of in on as one of those next guys up at smu could never really break out especially this past year you're kind of hoping to see a little bit more out of him he's gone nana davis the wide receiver at utah state one of their slot receivers there last year makes sense that he's gone because terrell vaughn's locked up one of those spots you got kyle van leeuwen coming back from his injury he needs to get out of there and he goes over to ul monroe which is either going to be the best thing for him or the absolute worst thing for him because i think he is instantly one of the best wide receivers there but also it's a really really bad offense you also got Keyshawn king the running back out of virginia tech going down a level you always like to see that from a cfl perspective and he's going to western michigan who desperately needs some offensive help again you do have their um you do have their veteran running back there zaire al salam um i probably butchered that completely there but um you know this adds some depth to them and again you got a power five back going in there brendan thompson four-star wide receiver this past freshman cycle he was at texas for a year realizes that with the amount of weapons that they have there there's no way he's going to see the field this year so he hightails it out of there and then last but not least varkis gums a tight end we all liked out of north texas um with his last year of eligibility he is heading elsewhere so kevin out of these guys who's most interesting to you you know, 
I kind of like Dylan Goffney. I, I've always kind of been like that guy. I was like, thought he was going to step up. But I think the thing that excites me about Goffney a little bit, if he goes to these places. So like, I've been really, I've been actually pretty surprised with on three this year. Um, I've been using like the transporter stuff. They've been doing a pretty good job with, with that stuff. They kind of have him crystal balled maybe to Western Kentucky. Maybe like they're, they're on there. Ooh, it, it, <laughs> that'd it, be fun. If that would, if that happened, like if he goes to someplace like that, like that would be just, like you said, like that's, that's CFF gold. Like that is something that you're excited about because he's still, yeah, Goffney's still a young kid. I mean, he's going to be a junior coming in. Um, you know, he had that speed. He's got a good size, six one two thirteen. Like I like what he did. And if, if when I saw that on, on three the other day, I was like, oh, I love West Kentucky. I'd be all on board there. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I would like that. So like if he finds himself going in there, yeah, you're excited. Brendan Thompson's another one from Texas. Like he's got that same kind of the speed, the skill set that he can translate really well if he gets to a team. I just like for these guys that haven't committed to a school yet. Like for me, give me in a scheme that can highlight their strengths. Yeah. For me, I would just, if I'm Goffney, I'm going to Western Kentucky, going to go get a hundred targets and just produce on the CFF side. Like that's what I'm going to do. And I'd be excited for it and just go somewhere that highlights your skills. Yeah. 100, 100%. Um, again, I pretty much kind of gave my spiel briefly on all of these guys. Again, less impactful guys, names to kind of file away for the most part. Gums, I think is a guy that with his experience, I think could, if he landed in the right spot, could be kind of fun. But for the most part, these guys are ones to file away. If you see more of their names in the fall, you'll recognize them, but probably not too much. Let's get into the meat of today's show. That's all of our transfer portal and everything. I'm sure we're going to get a thousand more pieces of craziness over the next couple or over the next week as that portal come that portal window comes to a close. I'm sure we have not even seen the biggest names that will be entering the portal as that window closes, but we will definitely see. Let's move on over to these spring games. And once again, we got another crazy week of spring games. You're talking about at least 30 teams putting up their spring games this week. And quite frankly, we don't have time to cover all of them. So we're going to cover 13 of them. I wish we could cover all of them. But that we just, like I said at the top of the show, we just don't have time. So first, we're going to start with some of the Friday ones. Let's go over to Louisville, Kevin. So... I think first main takeaway here, Plummer is without a doubt your starting quarterback. I don't think it's particularly close. Uh, Dolman looked very good as well, but uh, pretty much Plummer got run with all the number one wide receivers throughout the game. Finished the game 10 for 13, 132 yards and, or excuse me, 130 yards and two touchdowns. Ran six drives, looked good for the most part in all of it. Your starting wide receivers for the start of the spring game were Amari Huggins, Bruce, Callaway, and Downing. Thrash did come in later, but he, along with Jawar Jordan, were kind of very limited in this game. They were only put in with certain drives. So I wouldn't take too much away from that, especially at the running back room as well. Maurice Taylor and uh, Isaac Gernardo got a ton of reps in this game but that was with jawar jordan being held out most of the game i think it's very hard to kind of take away anything truly from the spring game there because again i'm still a big fan of jawar jordan but no doubt maurice taylor or maurice taylor good lord this is why i don't record podcasts at nine o'clock at night kevin i can't speak hardly um maurice turner did have a really good 50 yard touchdown run in this game so without a doubt i think you're at least looking at a one-two punch there with jet brom Sometimes again, it really depends on what he's getting out of his quarterback, and he, he he can run he can do a run first scheme like he did at Western Kentucky, or he could go heavy pass like he did at Purdue. We will definitely see 
Another name that kind of stood out here was their tight end, Josh Lifson. He scored both of the touchdowns from Plummer in this game. If you remember last year, y'all, Payne Durham was the tight end four in CFF after catching 56 balls, 560 yards, and eight touchdowns on the season. So without a doubt, Jeff Brom is very comfortable using tight ends, especially veteran tight ends on his team. And Lifson pretty much is stepping up into that role that even Marshawn Ford was having here at Louisville. So this, you got a ton of staff here that are very comfortable with utilizing tight ends. I think he's definitely named to watch out for. You can pretty much get him for free in any of your drafts. Kevin, your thoughts on the Cardinals spring game here. Yeah, no, I think uh, I wouldn't miss Nomer for Jack Plummer last year. I thought he was okay in a really bad situation. You know, a cow, like he looked mm-hmm. okay at times. Like, um, and, and he elevated that team to probably what they were. I thought he was really efficient with the ball. So like, and he knows the system. So I, I always thought like, okay, he's going to come in. He had one pass. He had like a 53 yard pass to um, Amari Bruce, uh, Huggins Bruce. Yes. That was, that was a throw. Like that was like, oh, okay. If he can do that consistently, then you're excited. And we know the volume's going to be there. We know he's going to throw a ton and move around. Yep. I like Bruce as like a late throw. Like he's going to get some run in that offense and, and it's exciting. I know that, you know, Coleman wasn't out there and these other guys, but Bruce could be that guy that you're like, oh, I like that I have him in best ball, like the lat, like wherever his ADP is at, because I know in this offense, like to me, the way I always look at this, and again, I'm more of a Debbie area, like CFF, I'm still learning as I got my ass, my butt kicked in Jared's league. Um, but like <laughs> to me, I'm looking for like, hey, volume targets, where are they going to be? Yep. This is an offense that's going to do that. And I'm all aboard. I think Plummer, like he looked really good in this offense. He's going to be comfortable. And he's and he's a very experienced quarterback. Like when you're just looking at overall, like his his career. So, no, I'm on, I'm on, I'm on board there. I think Jordan is the one, um, Joar Jordan is a guy I'm excited about. He just got held out the game. So, like, I want to see what that's going to look like. But moving forward, Plummer, I think he's a very efficient quarterback. And if you're waiting and you're looking for an efficient guy that you can kind of get later at that quarterback position, I think Plummer's a good option. Yeah, I'll, I'll touch on Plummer first, um, mainly because I want to point out that in the best ball leagues I've been in so far, I've been drafting Plummer quite a bit. Um, he's been going around the QB 50 range. So, you're looking at him going in probably the late teens in a lot of your drafts. Like, we, uh, to me, this is a pretty deep quarterback class, but pretty much after like QB like 40-ish, it does kind of get a little dicey in terms of the guys that you're looking at. Uh, but Jack Plummer has pretty much always been there to, for me to be have like a, a reliable guy that like if I'm not feeling great about my QB route and I just feel like I need to add that one more guy, I can usually grab him there. And again, he's been in Jeff Brom's system for years. He just took a one-year break at Cal. And then immediately yeah. saw an opportunity and said, no, I'm going to go play in that offense. That seems like a much better idea. Um, again, George Jordan, I've been one of the guys that's been very much hyping him up as a potential CFF option this year. And I really like the utilization I saw out of him in this spring game. Like, again, he only played like one or two drives. But in those one or two drives, he got a ton of work. I believe um, in the first drive he had he had at least um i think he in a series of six plays he touched the ball five times i think it was three runs and then two passes out of the backfield so they clearly when he is out there are going to utilize him a ton so we will definitely have to see there any last thoughts on louisville before we move on kevin no, no, I think uh, I'm excited to see my my uh, protege Kevin Coleman out on the field at some yes. point. Like I uh, let me, let me get uh, that's for PJ. PJ gives me a lot of crap about that. But Kevin Coleman, uh, well, let's do something out there so people think that I'm good at football. <laughs> All righty, let's go from one ACC Friday night program to another. Let's go talk about Syracuse again. 
kind of adding some context here. Again, Robert Rene goes off to NC State. You have Tim Beck promoted to, not Tim Beck, um, Jason Beck. Jason Beck. Good Lord, Jared. Um, Jason Beck is promoted up to offensive coordinator. And so Garrett Schrader, once again, out for the spring game, injured. That's a shocker. So we have the return of spring game legend man himself, Justin Lamson, who performed really well in Syracuse's spring game last year and had a lot of people talking about the possibility like, hey, this guy looks like he would perform better in Robert Arne slash Jason Beck's offensive system than Garrett Schrader would. Well, then he goes and tears his ACL pretty much right before the season. So that question just goes out the window right there. Well, he's back. And we have a spring game here where he went 16 for 23, 183 yards and a touchdown. Looked really, really good with the first team offense here. If you are drafting Garrett Schrader, again, I am a guy who has been on Garrett Schrader pretty much since he transferred to Syracuse as a potential CFF guy. He, Lampson worries me. I'm I'm not joking about that. Because again, Garrett Schrader, he's great. His dual threat ability is there. He is not a guy that is consistent game to game. And if Lampson, I think, can prove that he's a bit more consistent, I think there's a possibility he could take over as the Orange QB at some point during the season. Um, last two notes here. Again, your, um, your two guys who you're expecting to get some work got work. Aronde Gatson, Laquit Allen. I think both of those guys are going to be perfectly fine for your CFF team's come this fall then they spread it a whole around a whole bunch after those guys got their work so kevin your thoughts on what's going on here with the orange at syracuse so uh, syracuse is gonna be pretty bad i think this year like just looking at the the team and like uh, overall uh, from what i've seen from syracuse and like just kind of the, the mindset but there is a kid that they've been mentioning, and it's Isaiah Jones. So, like, when okay. I was going through here and I was watching, I know he scored the touchdown, first touchdown pass. Um, you know, Dino Babers talked about, he said, hey, he was really one of our best guys last year before he was injured, um, and there's really extremely high on him. And so, like, if you're looking for, like, just a sleeper sleeper, obviously, like, they like this kid, 6'4". He's got size. He has that. So that was one name that kind of popped off for me um, just based on the coaching staff because right now we're just trying to – we're just trying to dictate things based on the coaching staff and you got to kind of go through the noise, but that was a guy that kind of stood out. And then obviously like Aronda Gadsden, he's a stud. I don't know what position he is, but he's a stud, but he's just going to stud. He's going to get targets everywhere. So let's look it up right now. We're going to go to Syracuse roster. And if it, if it says tight end, then we need to start a, we need to start a campaign to fan tracks to get Aronda Gadsden tight end eligibility. It is as simple as that. All right. Position. Oh, wow. They got a lot of DBs. There we go. No, I'm pretty sure it says tied in. I'm, I'm almost 100% sure it's listed on there. We might have to take a screenshot and give it to Fantrax. Yep, it 100% does. We're going we're gonna to yeah. get this done, y'all, because quite <laughs> frankly, like if, if Aronde Gadsden is a tight end, that just gives us one more great option for tight ends this year. Kevin, you've been in a couple of CFF drafts so far. Yeah. If Aronde Gadsden gets that tight end eligibility, where do you draft him at? Oh, he's, I mean fourth round probably right third fourth round. i mean bowers is going in late late second in most of my drafts that i've been in and then there's not another tight end for like i don't know how many rounds probably like five or six like gaston right now is going consistently like round eight through ten depending on where you're you know the leagues i've been in so if he if you if he, i mean if he's gonna put up the numbers he puts up he's tied in one potential right he is 100 like, percent 
And there's not a lot of tight ends that you can really count on in that in that area. Like, I, if I if you don't get Brock, I feel like you just wait, and then you're just going to take some dart throws later um, based on the value. But I, I think he's a top four round selection, in my opinion, and just based on the cheat code that he is. Yeah, no, I if I did the math on this because uh, Chris K put out a tweet about this not too long ago as well. If Aronda Gatson had tight end eligibility last year, he would have been the tight end three behind only mm-hmm. Dalton Kincaid and Brock Bowers. That yeah. that that's the kind of league that he would be in. So yeah, I agree with you one hundred percent. I honestly, he probably would be a third round guy. Like Bowers coming off in like the anywhere in the second round, third round. Aronda Gadsden would definitely come off the board in my opinion because mm-hmm. again, he's not utilized like a tight end. He's utilized like a wide receiver, but he has tight end eligibility. It's wonderful. Well, he's lined up like a tight end, but they use him like a wide receiver. You, you guys know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> So yeah, fan trucks, let's make it happen. Let's get him tight end eligibility. There's literally zero excuse at this point. Let's move on to the next game here. Let's go from two ACC teams to a team that should be in the ACC. Let's go talk about Notre Dame here. Kevin, you got a good look at this game, so I'll let you kind of run down what you saw here. Yeah, you know, Sam Hartman looked really good. Uh, you know, 13 for 16, very efficient. And Hartman kind of looked like himself. Like, he wasn't himself last year. There were some issues out there. Um, but 189 yards, two touchdowns. I thought he looked really good just from my, you know, when I was watching the game. I think he played really within the offense. And I think there was some question marks. Obviously, a new offensive coordinator comes in now and not not, not really the coordinator that he thought he was going to be playing with. Um, but overall, like, I thought that he played within the offense and he looked good. Uh, Tyler Buckner did not look good. Uh, Tyler is going to be in the portal. Like there is, and I feel bad for Tyler because I, I really think that 2020 year hurt his development because they didn't play a lot of games out here in California. And he, he really just struggles passing. Like he just is, a, he just struggles. And I think um, I would be shocked if Tyler's not in the portal uh, at some point in this off season, because this is not a quarterback competition. I don't know who was spewing that. Like, um, fake news out there that was talking about this throughout the offseason that this was a battle because Harvin's got this thing locked up. I will say Kenny Minchie came in a little bit and I like Minchie. I think Minchie's one of those kids is like a deep ad like if you're in a dynasty league mm-hmm. uh, because I do think I like Minchie a little bit more in car. So I've been kind of grinding in the next year's class because I'm a degenerate. Um, but I do like Minchie. Like Minchie's one of those dudes that like I, I I think that he fits the system really well. He's a pretty polished quarterback. Uh, just based on his high school tape, I did a big breakdown for my our Patreon on this, and like, I was going through Minchie's stuff, and I really like him. Um, so, like, I think the quarterback room is pretty solid. Hartman's going to be that guy stepping in this offense. Now, how much is he going to produce? I don't know. Like, I don't know if he's going to be a huge college football producer. I think he's going to be a very efficient producer um, because that running back room is really just stacked. Like, that's really where the I'm, – I'm sure they're going to lean on that still. I got to give a shout out to Jaden Greathouse, 11 catches, 118 yards, zero touchdowns, but he looked really good. And when we're talking about like, you know, true freshman coming in, um, you know, he is one of those guys that's, that's really stepped up. Really. They need a guy like they needed a guy like this since gosh, I don't know. I can't remember the last, you know, great Notre Dame wide receiver that's really stepped up and been that guy. And we don't want to overreact to, you know, overreact to the spring games, but Jaden looked good. He looked good out there and, and he looked like, Hey, you got those targets. Um, Running back room looks like a pretty big committee. Diggs, Price didn't play. Um, you know, Audrey Gestamy is somebody that I, I really liked, you know, two years ago. And that dude's just going to, I just said, I put in the nose, he's going to trip to a thousand yards. He's just going to like, he's just contact balance, fall forward. This kid's just going to be usage up there. And I think that he's the guy that you kind of want to have. Cause I think in the red zone, he's going to be that dude. Um, but overall, Notre Dame had a pretty good day. Uh, not like obviously not amazing for a bunch of those other guys, but like they're going to have a very efficient offense. And I think it's going to be much better than when they had Drew Pine last year. 
Yeah, so let me dive into two things here. First, Sam Hartman, you're talking about you don't know really how much he's going to produce. He's currently being drafted in CFF drafts as a QB 24. That feels insane to me. I, I, y'all, we haven't had like a CFF producing quarterback from Notre Dame since Ian Book. And (laughs) Sam Hartman, he can run, but I don't think he's really going to be asked to run like Ian Book was. And without that rushing ability, Ian Book was not a CFF quarterback that you were drafting. So I'm really not sure where this is coming from. It's not like they're going to bring over the mesh offense from Wake Forest over to Notre Dame just because Sam Hartman's here. I think we're grossly overestimating Sam Hartman's ability for CFF this year just a little bit. I am very interested in this running back room. I'm really coming around to the idea of Audric Estimate especially. So you talked about it being a committee, and you can really look at last year, and a lot of people will say, like, whoa, look at that uh, look at that room that they had last year and tell me that they're not going to have the same committee this year. Well, last year was actually an anomaly for this Notre Dame staff. They have consistently had a guy with 200 touches in the years coming up to 2022. It's just last year you had Drew Pine and Tyler Buckner as your two quarterback options, which meant you basically did not have a passing game. So it was either you run one of your running backs for 300 times or you recognize and say, hey, we're going to have to run the ball a lot. And that means that we're going to have to split up this load a little bit more between our three guys well now fast forward to this year clearly sam hartman is going to bring a, a passing game element to this team that we haven't seen in a couple of years so i think that means that guys like estimate and Diggs both probably going to get a, a good amount of run here and quite frankly estimate really does look like the best running back on this team again 5.9 yards per carry last year 11 touchdowns he almost hit a thousand yards without even hitting 200 carry or 200 carries I think he is going to be an absolute monster for CFF this year. I think he'll be doing a lot better. No, yeah, you're right. You're you're 100% right. I think Esme is the guy that you want if you're going to draft any of these guys in there, um, just because I think he's going to get that usage. And yeah, and to your point about Hartman and the recent uh, in the recent best ball I went, Hartman went in the tenth round, way too early for me based mm-hmm. on who's still on the board there. Yeah, I'm trying to think again. He's a QB 24. Yeah, he's going right about the tenth round. So yeah, I'm net nothing i'm nobody that i am drafting there in the 10th round it's good lord this is why i don't speak at 9 30 at night let's go and move on here let's go to wisconsin let's go to the big 10 here this is your country here kevin uh <laughs> up the, there up north um again this is another game that you were able to kind of watch and break down so why yeah. don't you give me the rundown of what happened here well the defense looked good you know in, in true wisconsin Shocker. fashion and in true Wisconsin fashion, it was snowing for their spring game. Uh, so that just shows you <laughs> it, it cleared up a little bit. Uh, but they had five interceptions and they had at least 10 sacks. Uh, they actually outscored the offense in this game in terms oh of like uh, the, the scoring. Tanner Mordecai had four interceptions. Now, I would say like three because one one was a drop. CJ Williams kicked me. He had a big drop. And I know he's been getting a little bit buzzed in camp. And I think he's had a good camp. Um, but he's definitely still got to develop and, and get into that area. So Mordecai didn't look great. Like, and really no one in that quarterback room looked very good today. Like, to be honest with you, Evers did not look good. Like, And I know they got, like, every transfer under the sun at quarterback position. But no one really looked great at that quarterback spot. I will tell you who looked good, though. Braylon Allen is in for – I think Braylon Allen – He's not going to have eight, nine man boxes anymore. And the way, and they highlighted the coaching staff talked about this. I was watching a couple of interviews after the game um, and I was watching some Wisconsin beat writers. They were talking about this too. Like that spread offense, four wide receivers, the ability to get a spread 
Braylon Allen is running through holes he's never seen before. Jared, he's never seen these holes before in that offense because he, they, there, it's, it's, it's everything is kind of open for him. I thought he ran hard today. A couple of big runs that would have been huge runs got called back because he got touched or they weren't letting him run the full field. But that is, I think, when you're looking at Braylon, I think he's gonna, he has the potential to be the running back one in terms of just yardage this year. Like if it's that open and he doesn't have those eight nine man boxes anymore, and their ability to spread that defense wide, and he's gonna run up the gut. And we know Wisconsin's offensive line should bounce back a little bit. It looked better the last four or five weeks of the season last year. Braylon could be that guy. Braylon could be that dude where we're like, oh my gosh, this kid's gonna have that monster year. Dang, Kevin, you're making me uh, you're making me regret I not taking uh, Braylon Allen in my best ball earlier today because I was I was deciding between him and Tory Horton. I'm like, ah, I'll start two wide receivers. Now I'm like sitting here like, dang, I, I missed out on a second round value here again. You're talking about a guy that's going around like the two four in a lot of CFF drafts. Quite frankly, again, you it's again the way this is kind of setting up for him. They're up there at Wisconsin with Phil Longo's offense. And Phil, like a lot of people are like, oh, like somebody called um, Phil Longo's offense the Dairy Raid earlier, kind of play on air raid and everything. And like, that's 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 a fun thing and everything. But like, Phil Longo's offense is not like this like heavy pass offense. It's just a very efficient offense. Like they run the ball a yeah. ton. They pass the ball a ton. Like it's a very quick offense. And again, we've seen him have tons and tons of productive running backs in the past. And Braylon Allen should not be any different here and like you said kevin if that passing game really can't um be as productive like it'll be it'll get it'll be much better than what misconstance had in years past but even if it doesn't reach what they were able to do at unc it's going to open up so many holes for braylon allen it's going to be an absolute blast for them this year tanner mordecai throws four interceptions in this game speaking of that passing game kevin are we worried a little bit here or because again like some people you might say like oh it was a it was a gross day. It's a uh, you know it's snowing out there, but you know Wisconsin doesn't change. Like the weather actually gets worse when the fall comes around. <laughs> so like, are um, we are we worried at all there? Uh, I try not to over. Like I try with spring games. I try not to be like uh, over. You know, compensate for what I see out there. Of course, Tanner. But Tanner's that guy. To me, he falls into like what we just talked about with Hartman. Like. Tanner's coming into a Wisconsin offense that we've seen. I know Longo's been there. We've seen that production there. But, like, you're drafting him. So he went in the ninth round of a recent best ball that I did. But Cam Ward also went in the ninth round. Like, I, you know, when you're looking at some of these other quarterbacks in these areas, and I know I've been more of a Cam Ward guy than most, but, like, John Rice Plumley from UCF went in the ninth round as well. And you're like, hmm, like, where do you want that rushing upside to come from in other, in other areas? Like, I, I think Tanner's one of those guys. I like him as a quarterback. I think he can be efficient at Wisconsin. Um, but I do think that, you know, like Hartman, I think he plans in that same area of, like, you know, how much can you trust him week in and week out with that production? Like, True. I think it was fine. I, I don't think he's going to be four interceptions. He's not going to see that. But I do think that they're going to lean on that rushing attack. And like you said, I think that's a good point about that offensive system. Like, it is balanced. There, There is a balance to it. It's not – and it, no lean on what is what is good for them. Um, and, at, and then they know Braylon's that dude. Like, they know that offense is going to run through there. And, yeah, Mordecai have his games, I'm sure. Um, but, again, Big Ten defenses are tough. Like, the True. Big Ten is a tough conference of plan too it's not the acc right it's not these other nope. conferences that we see um these offenses have this so like that's something that's going to happen in november december Braylon's going to get those those carries and then that's going to hurt tanner's upside in the cff world yeah absolutely um and a, one topic of discussion around cff pretty much has been hey it's phil longo system there's going to be a wide receiver that eats did anybody in that receiving room look like they stand out in this spring game 
No, I put down, it still looks like a mystery to me. Uh, you know, I think many of us, because we like C.J. Williams when he was going to USC, like we were like, oh, that could be the guy, and he's getting a little bit buzzed there. Um, overall, even ba based on just looking at um, going through the box score, but also like going in the beat writers and stuff, they even said like nobody really stood out. Nobody in that room, like people like Skylar Bell, um, and even Dyke there, like both those guys, mm -hmm. they've, they've said they liked them, DK. but they have not yeah, excuse me, DK. Yeah, my bad. Uh, that they, they, they said that like they liked those two, but then nothing stood out to him in the game. And and to be honest, like I, I didn't see anything that would warrant kind of like, oh, that's our guy in this offense. That's going to be him. CJ is the guy I think with the upside, but he's still got some developing. Had a couple bad drops. Like that's something to, to kind of note too. Yeah, just based on experience there, I know Wisconsin fans have been really big on uh, Shimmer DK for a while as well, and like he's consistently had one of those starting outside positions for this offense. So. I would definitely invest in him there. Let's move on to our next school here. Alrighty, let's get into one of these SEC programs. Let's go talk about one of the teams that has been at the top of the SEC for a while, but a lot of people are questioning, can they return to the top after Georgia wins back-to-back -back national championships with this quarterback situation that they have going on you know they lose bryce young before that they had they had tua and or excuse me they before that they had mac jones but after before that they had tua they've had a really good string of quarterbacks lately and the next two options they have have really good ceilings but there's a lot of question marks here between jalen milrow and Ty Simpson. And unfortunately, if you're a Bama fan or if you're interested in this Bama room, the the performance today from the spring games were less than inspiring. Jalen Milrow, 19 for 37, 245 yards and two touchdowns. And then Ty Simpson, 12 for 26, 155 yards and zero touchdowns both of them at or below 50 percent of their completions both of them did get to show off their legs a little bit uh milrow had six carries for 65 yards and a touchdown this excludes negative 45 yards worth of sacks and then simpson also could show off his legs a little bit five carries 62 yards but no touchdowns with him definitely lent some credence to the idea that bama might have been looking in the portal for a potential either a guy to bring in to be a third member of this competition or just quite frankly just come in and be that guy if you've been following along the tyler van dyke rumors over the past week sounds like he'll be staying in miami but quite frankly i could see why bama might be looking for somebody else to come in so kevin before i keep going on this spring game what's your kind of take on this quarterback situation because as far as i'm concerned Neither one of them look great. I still think Milrow is your number one guy. I think he has the experience. I don't think Ty Simpson has really done enough here to come up and say like, hey, I'm the less experienced guy, but clearly I have the higher ceiling out of the two of us. I think it, if anything, it's kind of a dead even heat between these guys, but I think Milrow gets the nod at the end of the day. How do you kind of see it? Yeah, this is a tough one because I, I, I get what you're saying there with with Milrow. Um, Saban was pretty pissed after the game, so there's a quote that I wanted to say. Just if you haven't, if you guys haven't seen his quote, he says, "Everybody needs to ask themselves are they playing are they playing winning football?" When he was talking about his quarterbacks, and I think that I think the portal thing's real, Jared. Like oh, I think 100%. they're looking at it like, man, we need a quarterback because Saban wants to win. Like he he does not want Georgia again to like you know like that's that we know Saban how he is. 
So like, it would not shock me to see if something pops up that he's there. Uh, but as far as like, who's on this, this field, you know, part of me wonders if they're going to use them both. Maybe, maybe use Milrow as like this kind of like that rushing threat and that ability to kind of like um, just, just make plays in that. It's because I still think Simpson's a better passer. Like I do think when I'm watching Simpson play, he does make good throws, but he, he almost looked when I watched this game a little bit today, he looked very timid almost like he looked very like, I'm not going to make a mistake. So I don't mm -hmm. look stupid out here. And so like, I didn't feel like, he played loose. Like he very, he was very like rigid. He was very like um, methodical. Like he had a lot of dump offs yep. and he, when he watched him play. And I think part of that was like, he didn't want to make those mistakes. Yep. Milrow is just going to, he's going to go ball, man. Like that's Milrow's style. And we know that. And, and I think it's going to come down to saving like what, what, what does he think is going to extend that? This is a battle. If they don't get a quarterback upgrade, I feel like this is a battle that's going to be going into even to the early part of the season. Like I know they have Texas early though. So like, it's going to be interesting to see kind of how that, how that matters after that first game. Um, I'm with you. Like, I was kind of a Simpson camp. Like I always felt like Simpson was more that more that guy just because I thought he was a better passer. But if he doesn't play better than what he did today, like if he's not showing that in practice either, like it's going to be hard for them to not put Milrow out there because I feel like they'd feel more comfortable with him there. But this is not a quarterback room that you're you're happy with probably. If you're an Alabama fan, you're probably a little nervous. Oh, I would be nervous if I was a Bama fan. At least in at least relative to the expectations I've had for this program yes. over the last couple of years. And the other part of this quarterback battle is that even though Milrow still isn't a great passer, I would I think we both agree on that. I think he, even though he only completed 50% of his passes today, he looks better than he did last year. So I think that might be another kind of point yeah. in his favor is that at least it looks like he is improving compared to where he was last year. I think that might give the coaching staff a little bit more confidence in him there. But we'll definitely see running back situation here. Um, McClellan was held out. You got you got your good dose of uh, Roy Dale Williams. You got your dose of Jamar uh, Jam Miller, who I like. But man, true freshman Justice Haynes really is looking like him. Scored all three touchdowns for Team Crimson today. Two on the ground, one through the air. Now, not the most efficient performance. Again, ten carries, twenty-four yards, and then four catches for forty. That's actually probably the more impressive stat there. But I know a lot of people in the C2C love Justin Haynes and are like and put him up there like in terms of Devi like up there with Cedric Baxter. I'm totally with them. I I wanted I wanted Haynes to come to Georgia so badly, not just because he was a um, not just because he's a legacy with Vernon Hayes, but I legitimately think he's one of the most talented backs that has come out in the last couple of years, and I think he's going to be an absolute monster at Bama once it becomes his time. It's just a question of when is his time. There's some people who act like he's going to be like RB2 by this year. Again, I'm sorry. There's too many people in front of him. Again, Jam Miller is still a good running back. Roydale Williams is that guy that Bama brings in. He's been there for several years. He knows the system. He knows how, how it's going to go. And they're going to get him plenty of carries. So I don't think Haynes is going to be that instant impact possible plug and play CFF guy. No, like you, sorry. I shouldn't say a CFF guy, but like I don't think he's going to be a guy that you could throw into your lineups if you're even struggling one week. I think that you're going to I think he will wait 1 to 2 years on Haynes even though I do think he's one of the better backs there. Just it's just the nature of the Alabama running back room. Kevin, what are your thoughts on Haynes? I know again, you're a big Devy guy, so you're probably over the moon about him and then also like when do you when do you see him kind of being that guy for Bama because I think it actually becomes it comes later rather than sooner even though I love his talent 
No, I think you're right there. I, I Haynes is like he's been my running back two for a long time. He might need to be my running back one, to be honest. I might be too low on Haynes, which makes me laugh. But like I think like when you're looking at like looking at what he's been able to do and, and there, I think yeah, I think he's there now. As far as like when he gets out there, I think people are sleeping on Jace McClellan a little bit too. I think Jace, I agree. I think he's gonna be the dude. He's gonna be a starter. I think they're gonna they lean on him even a little bit last year. Like you saw him kind of get that that run in there, especially when Gibbs couldn't pass block to save his life. Jace was really that guy that they kind of did that. So like I do think it's like it's Jace Rodell, Jam, and then I do think I think Haynes will get in there, but it's kind of gonna be reminiscent of to me. It's a little reminiscent of like 2017 Bama, but where Najee's gonna have remember when Najee was a freshman, he had like yep. 370 yards. He kind of had a couple big games at the end. I feel like that is like. The Haynes is kind of like, yeah, like maybe at the end, maybe they're a little banged up or whatever. I will say this, though. If he gets opportunity, like if for some reason a couple guys like in front of him either get injured or whatever, I don't know if he'll, if he'll give it back. Like I think oh, no. that he's that talented. And I think that's where you, you're excited about him. Um, but, yeah, I think he has that Najee Harris where he was playing behind like Bo and Damian Harris and like Josh Jacobs is on that roster too. And then Najee just like, oh, wow, this kid's really good. And then, like, and then he kind of steps off. We could see that same thing with Haynes. Yeah, one last note here. I know we're already like eight minutes into Bama here, so let's we'll, we'll keep it moving. Um, Malik Benson, man, this is a guy that a lot of people had a lot of hype for coming out of JUCO, and you know we weren't super impressed with Bama's receiving room last year, and it really looks like he's going to be that instant impact player that Bama's been looking for in that receiving room. Five catches, 70 yards, and a touchdown in this game. And he just looked impressive alongside the other guys. Ja'Cory Brooks didn't really make any noise. Jermaine Burton and Isaiah Bond, both guys I like the talent of, but they had some serious drop issues here. They're not super reliable like Saban has really wanted out of his receivers in the past. If Benson continues to perform well, I think he's easily the best guy that you could go for here. Um, And then in addition to that, just a quick note on tight end, because a lot of people want to draft the tight end here because it's Tommy Reese and, you know, Michael Meyer and everything. CJ Dupree was not your starting tight end. Danny Lewis was, so take that for what it's worth. Kevin, your thought on Malik Benson in this receiver room real quick. Man, I just want Kobe Prentice to be good. That's all I want, Jared. That, that's I like I love that's me all some I Kobe. Want. That's a, I love me some Kobe Prentice, man. But I yeah, no, I, I think this one's a tough one too. Like, this is not an Alabama team that we're used to. Nope. Like the Alabama is there's a, so many question marks on this roster. And I think that's what you look at in that wide receiver room. Like, I, can we stop drafting Jermaine Burton, though? Can we stop it? Because I've seen him Kevin, go really don't, high. Don't ask my... me to do that. I've, I, I, I've been saying that he would be the best wide receiver in that receiver uh, room. Uh, I don't know, man. I just, to me, like, I think Malik could be that guy. Uh, Ja'Cory scares me, too, because, like, he should have been the dude last year. and He just did not step up. Isaiah Bond could be that guy, too. Like, yeah, I, there's just, like... But again, we come back to this, and I keep coming back to it every time I think like one of these guys is going to break out. If their quarterback room doesn't fix itself, if their quarterback room does not become more efficient passers, I don't know how much it's going to matter. Like I mm-hmm. think they can lean on their running back room, and in their wide receiver room is just like desolate, right? Like we've been talking about, like, hey, like yeah, they're great talented players out there, but if their quarterbacks can't get them the ball, then then we're really in trouble from like a fantasy aspect. And I think that really is the key. Yeah, I agree 100%. Let's move on from Bam. We've been talking about these guys long enough. Let's go talk about the game that somehow got onto ESPN over the national champions because freaking Deion Sanders is that 
dude when it comes to just media deals and everything. I'm not bitter about this whatsoever. Let's go talk about Colorado and let's talk about their spring their their hyped up spring game. This new look Colorado team, which was really I think it was hard to take away really anything from this game because that defense looks atrocious. And so Kevin, you got to look at this game. What were your kind of main takeaways from it? There's not very many. I, I would say this. Cecil Lammy, he works for football guys with us over here. He's a, hot, a long time Denver sports columnist and really good guy. Um, we've been talking about this and he, and he has been to practices and stuff. And he said Shador Sanders has really impressed him. And like I've had some question marks about Sanders, like overall kind of leap into the Pac-12 level. And how is he going to be? Um, but the thing that he he's highlighted with him and we saw it today, he had 234 yards. He had three total touchdowns. He did have a 98 yard touchdown pass that kind of boosted his stats there a little bit against the defense that is awful. Like it we're just going to put that out. It looks awful. They they got to go get some corners. They got to go get some dudes. Like they got to get some dudes. They just they're odd. The defensive line struggled. Like there was some struggle there. But I would say this: Sanders did look much better as a passer than we saw last year. I think his footwork is a lot better. And Lamy talked about that too in the DMs with me. Um, and he was like, "Hey, like he, he one the area that he's been working on is his footwork, which leads to better accuracy, which you saw. Um, and he was very comfortable, but." I don't know how good that offensive line is because that defensive line was not good and there was no pressure. So the problem is, is like what we saw, there was probably the best version of him that we're going to see not under pressure. Like he does a good job of escaping and doing those things. He did it. Um, you know, he did it last year as well, but again, at that next level, what does that look like? And I think that's the thing with Sanders. Like, did a lot of buzz about Sanders that I'm not like, I'm not with, like I, I've mm-hmm. heard of like, Oh, first round quarterback. Like, that stuff's crazy to me. Um, that's just the hype m- m- out there. Travis Hunter is interesting to me because I do know that, uh, you know, Kevin's can your side. There's some guys that really like Travis Hunter mm-hmm. and, um, and, and best ball. What the hell? Why not? Right. Like I'll take him later. And just, if he, if he does that, I, I, I he had a touchdown reception, I think the biggest question I have is like, he's going to get a little bit more buzz after the spring game and his ADP is going to get too high for me. Probably they need so much help at the corner position and the defensive side. Hunter is a legit first round corner. Like this kid can play at that position. Like I have a hard time seeing him being able to play both sides of the ball at that level. And for me, he's a defensive guy. I mean, he, he can really do that. So I don't know if the production is going to be there, but like, again, he's a talent, like he'll get out there and he'll probably have some, he'll have some snaps. He'll do that kind of thing. Uh, but to me, like Eileen Hunter is a defensive back and a legit, like they need that. It's a position of need where they've kind of filled in their wide receivers. I'm sure they'll be in the portal again um now and so like to me that's where the biggest question marks come with that no i think that's completely fair and here's my thing with travis hunter so well first of all the the note is that he is going to be transitioning back over to db over the summer and into the fall and everything because like this spring was solely about working on his wide receiver skills now he's going to transfer back over to db and then during the fall he's going to be going back and forth with both of them we'll see how that split comes down but you said like in in best ball it to me like I'm I'm kind of torn on this because again Nate Marquise makes a great point about like again if he's splitting time between DB and wide receiver that's just not enough snaps for you to really warrant picking him at all in your drafts. But here's the thing. Travis Hunter is that dude for Colorado. Like he is like he he and Dion are tied at the waist. Like he Shador Sanders and Dion are all tied at the waist and Dion being the media guy that he is, he's going to make sure that his 
like face of the franchise guys are going to get yeah. theirs. Shador Sanders is going to run for more touchdowns than he honestly deserves this upcoming season. Travis Hunter, even though he plays DB mostly, probably going to catch a ton of touchdowns. So again, I'm very torn on it, and I'd much rather go after Travis Hunter because he's going super late in drafts right now over guys that we didn't hear about in the spring game hardly. Like Xavier Weather, he's currently going as wide receiver 38 right now. I didn't hear his name called today. Seydoux yeah. Traore, the tight end from Arkansas State. We all like the idea of like, oh, this could be a weapon for them. Didn't hear his name called at all today. Jimmy Horn Jr. from South Florida also didn't really hear his name called that much today. So like, I still kind of would rather might take the shot late on Travis Hunter because he's one of those face of the franchise dudes and Dion will make sure those guys get some. That's just kind of my thought process. On Are you kind of yeah. in a similar vein, Kevin? 100%. You and me are on the right page there. Like, I, I think... The the room is barren. Like, I'm not taking the tight end. I'm not going to go over there. Jimmy Horn is getting buzzed, but then you don't see him out there producing against a defense that's not very good. So you're like, hmm, what's going on there? Like, if you're going to take any shot, it's Hunter. Like, I think that's where you, you kind of stand there. Um, And I don't mind where he's going later, but we know how this works. He's going to get a little bit buzzed, and then he's going to shoot up a little bit in ADP. True. Um, and it, it depends on the league. Like, if you're in, like – if you if you're in a league with like legit CFF guys and and very smart people, which in the community there is, I think his ADP will be fine because I think that most people know they're not going to reach there. But you know, you get into a league with maybe some newbies and stuff. Oh, Travis Hunter, hey, that's the kid from Colorado. We love this kid, and then you see that. So it's all come down to value, like anything. Mm-hmm. But I'm on the same page with you. I I am not like I don't see like. I've seen some takes where like Hunter can be a top 10 wide, you know, wide receiver, or like he can be a first round wide receiver. I, to me, his money is going to lie on the defensive side. So I think that's where he's really going to focus. Makes sense. Alrighty. Let's go over to the middle of the country here. Let's go talk about the Oklahoma Sooners. Again, this is another game that you were able to catch a little bit more of than I was Kevin. So I'm going to let you break this one down. Yeah, I mean, this one is a weird scoring thing that they did. It was like 80 to 88 or something like that, just because yeah. they did like defensive. I don't know what's going on in Oklahoma. But I think they did like overall, a point per pass breakup or something like that. Like there's yeah, a ton of crazy stuff. It's It, it, feel, it feels like a Dabo thing. Um, but all right, so like when I'm looking at this, I, I Jackson Arnold's my quarterback one in the 26 class. I know that can be kind of a hot take for some, but like I love this kid, what, what he's able to do. And he looks – Okay, five for 13, 63 yards, a touchdown. He had a rushing upside. He had a 53 yard basically touchdown. It got like mm-hmm. called it the one or something like that. So he did show that. And, and he had a couple good throws. Like he had one throw that it was on a rope and it was a good dime. It looked like a division one throw. Um, and you liked that. So Jackson, I thought, did well. Like you like what you saw from him. And I think that elevates it. I love him in the offense that he's in. And if he's already doing that, I mean, that's much better than what we saw last year. I know Gabriel's there. And again, there's going to be fans that want Jackson to start right away i don't necessarily think that's going to happen he's got to develop i'm sure they're going to give him some time um but i think he looked good now as far as like the wide receiver room that's a huge question mark still like just mm-hmm. overall ju- i like jaleel Farouk. i've always liked jaleel i know um you know other guys in the debbie community and stuff have kind of been on that train too uh nelly is a guy that's in the community and me and him have been like jaleel truthers weirdly like he did some good plays he scored a touchdown today and he could be in line for wide receiver one so again targets, numbers, production. Like, yes, sir. I think that's what you're looking at there. Um, but the one thing I do want to highlight, and I think that this is important for like CFF purposes and especially even C2C, Gavin Sawcheck, the running back, he had for around four or five targets. He had a touchdown reception. But the biggest thing that came out of uh, out of this for me when I was diving into the research and everything, off the offensive staff has talked about they want to get the running backs more involved in the passing game. And I think that's important to know because I think that wide receiver room 
is not barren, but it's unproven. And mm-hmm. I think that I have really a solid running back room. Javante Barnes has been injured, obviously. He should be okay. But Sawchuck and those guys being in there, if they can get targets in that in the, in the passing game, we're talking about fantasy production now. And I think that's exciting from that standpoint. So that's something to know. Like if you're out there in drafts or you're out there and you're listening, like I, I the staff has talked about involving the running backs more in that passing game. And I think, you know, Sawchuck's went in the 28th round of a recent best ball that I went in, into. Like there's value there if that's going to happen and they're going to get those guys involved there you're looking at a ppr upside so i did want to highlight that no i agree with you on such like i i've started coming more around with him again i like javante barnes a lot i was big on him last year as an instant yeah. impact player for the sooners and he was here is my thing he is injured now he is dealing with a dead bone injury he is uh like he's gonna be out for a while and it sounds like this is not an injury that goes away very quickly that opens the door big time for Gavin Sawchuk, who has made, who we got to see in the bowl game against Florida State, he looked really, really good there. Finally, added the weight that the that the offensive staff really wanted him to do. With Barnes out for a while, again, I'm not saying Sawchuk's going to go out there and have like a workhorse Bijan type of role, but I wouldn't be shocked if it was enough to easily make him CFF relevant. And like you said, he's a pretty good pass catcher. If they're going to involve him in the passing game a ton, yeah, there's going to be a ton of CFF value there. I am very much in on Sawchuk at his current value. In terms of wide receivers, I agree with you. I think Julia Farouk is your most proven guy right now. The the buzz, at least from Nate Marquise and other Oklahoma guys, has been that like Farouk is going to be that number one option there. Because like you said, you have Drake Stoops, who I don't think anybody's really writing home about. Andrew Anthony comes in from Michigan, who I think a lot of people like. But again, unproven. We haven't seen him. Jaden Gibson was a guy that came in with the freshman class last year. A lot of people like. But again, completely unproven. I think Farouk is going to be that safety blanket for this offense in the passing game. I think he is absolutely worth the value he's being taken at right now. Let's see if I can find him real quick on my ADP sheet. Yep, there he is. Wide receiver 30. I'll take that all day long with him. Yeah, 100%. On board there. And again, that's just one of those things you got to look at and say, yeah, I'm going to be, I'm, I'm looking at value. But yeah, to your point, if Barnes is like, we've seen these injuries before, they linger and then they can get re aggravated. So it's like Sawchuck, late 27th, round 26, will be bumped up a little bit. I'll I'll take that all day. Yeah. Uh, and he's talented. He's a talented back. Like I, I know people have talked about, I know Brunin had talked about him last year. He was high on him too. Like he has that, he has that ability. He, he's a talented kid. I agree. All righty. Let's enough of the, enough of these power five schools, man. Let's, let's let's go talk about like one of these fun G five schools, these systems that we absolutely love, and why not? Let's go talk about Georgia Southern over there with Clay Helton and Brian Ellis, that wonderful air raid system they got going on down there. Kyle Van Trees off to the NFL, quote unquote, off to the NFL. He'll be an undrafted free agent, uh, selling car dealership somewhere. But who is replacing him? Well. Davis Brin came in as a transfer. A lot of us were like, okay, like this is probably our best option here, but let's let's see it first. Let's see it first. In my opinion, at least to start off this game, he looked really good. He looked very, very comfortable in this um in that position as QB1. And pretty much when he was out there, you could clearly tell it's the first team offense being run out there. 13 for 23 to finish the day, 179 yards and a touchdown. He almost got another. Uh, another touchdown passing. And then in addition, this is kind of the interesting part. They ran him at the goal line in this spring game. Now, again, why you would do that in a in a game format where it's touch base and the moment he gets tagged, like he goes down. I don't know, kind of a weird call there. 
I think without a doubt, Davis Brin is your QB one moving forward here. I think he, yeah. and once you get into the actual fall, he's going to just light it up. He's going to be bumped up a little bit now that I have confirmation. I've seen it for myself. And then speaking of confirmation, you got your two top wide receivers here. You got Derwin Burgess, who went three for 59 in this game. And then you had Caleb Hood, three for 65. Both of these guys got even more targets than that. Bryn was not afraid to push both of these guys deep, going for some crazy, crazy throws and catches with these guys. Very comfortable with both of them. That is definitely where you should be targeting. But here's kind of my deal. Derwin Burgess, and this pains me to say because I do love Derwin Burgess. He's currently going as a wide receiver 19 versus Caleb Hood is currently going as, godly, you could probably, like, in some drafts, you could get him in your late teens. This is just a basic question of, like, I think both of these guys are going to have similar numbers by the end of the year. So why draft Derwin Burgess at wide receiver 19 in, like, the fourth, fifth round when you could get Caleb Hood, like, 10 rounds later? Now, Caleb Hood's going to jump up now that I say this and everything. But still, like, there's a value difference between those two guys. And, again, as much as I love Berwin, or Derwin Burgess, I'm probably going to start targeting Caleb Hood a little bit more aggressively once he comes off the board. So... Kevin, your thoughts on the QB room here as well as the wide receiver room? No, I think you're correct. I think I think you hit it on the head. There's not a ton for me to add there. I think it's about value wise, like what are you talking about? Like, and that's the thing. I think the biggest thing, like you mentioned, like with the hood and the Burgess stuff, and like you got to shift quickly, right? Like the ADP shifts. So I I love looking at drafts from like February, don't you? Like looking back, oh, yeah. like, oh man, I was good there. Like what happened here? And I think I think that's where the value's at. But no, I think Brand looks like. He looks like he's going to be the QB one there. Now, what does that mean? That's up to you, kind of determine. Like if you're if you're comfortable drafting where he's at. Um, I think yeah, it means six hundred pass attempts. That's what I think it yeah. means. And if that and if he's going to if he has those, and then you're looking at production, right? Like and you're excited about that. Um, so if he if he's going to get those pass attempts, you're you're there. Uh, and then again, like you know. I think you did put it in here too. Like if that defense gets improved though, like we'll be looking at something else. And so that's, that's the question is like how, how many attempts did you get? But yeah, no, to me, the, your biggest point was the Burgess and the hood point. Like that to me is like, Hey, you got to make sure you shift that value and understand it. Yeah. And one last point again, you, you touched on the fact that I wrote it down here again, defense does look pretty improved. So does that mean less shootouts? Quite possibly, but at the same time, it is a sun belt. So, like, how good our defense is really going to be? So, we'll <laughs> we will we'll we'll definitely see. Um, but then the running back room here, Jalen White's out of this game. Uh, he's been banged up, injured pretty much since last year. But man, OJ Arnold uh, looked impressive in this game. Eleven carries, 127 yards in this game. Didn't get a touchdown. So that worries me a little bit because he did break off a 56-yard run. And I'm sorry if you can run 56 yards, but you don't find the end zone. That tells me that people caught up to you from behind. You don't have that breakaway speed. Um, But again, how much does that matter in the Sun Belt? We'll see. Um, But again, I was very impressed with him. It does kind of worry me a little bit with Jalen White because, again, this is a pass-first team. So there's not really a ton of room for there to be two running backs that are getting split carries here. So, again, White's currently going as the RB34 in the like seventh eighth round so you're probably still getting some value there but at the same time like it wasn't quite the steal that i was thinking it was earlier in this offseason all righty let's get back up north to your neck of the woods here kevin let's go talk about these minnesota gophers where really it is it, this entire spring has felt like an oxymoron for minnesota and what do i mean by that 
the the staff has said that they have wanted to pass more they want to be more aggressive in the passing game not rely on their run game as much the problem is they have Kaliak Manis at quarterback and this man is not a good passer in this spring game he did not complete a pass in his first three drives in this game i don't know how they think they're going to have an effective passing attack with this guy at quarterback either that or they think they're going to go grab somebody out of the portal which could be interesting but then you have our running backs here again sean tyler gets first carry i don't think that's really surprised anybody once trey potts got out of there but the commentators did say they fully expect this to be a committee approach for the Golden Gophers because you got a guy like Zach Evans, who not not that Zach Evans, the other Zach Evans uh, here at Minnesota is a true freshman last year, got banged up, pretty much kept out of the kept off the field the entire year with some nagging injuries. He looks back and had two touchdowns in this game, one along the goal line and then another 75 yard touchdown run where he basically outran the entire defense, looked really good there. In terms of actual takeaways for CFF, again, like, I don't know what this Minnesota offense is doing. I'll be real. Like, again, it's either they're going to run the ball a ton and you're going to have a complete committee there, so you're not going to love that, or they're going to try to force the pass the ball, which takes even more opportunities away from the running backs. I don't know, man. Kevin, your thoughts here on the Golden Gophers? Well, I'm, and first of all, we're going to do some Zach Evans propaganda. I'm all on board because I've been a Zach Evans guy for like uh, two years, three years. Um, and and, I, and I, if you watch that run that he scored, like the long touchdown run, I was making I was making a joke with my buddy today. I said it looked like the safety's controller, whoever is controlling <laughs> yeah. safety, his controller, um, his lost battery, lost power. But I will say this: so I have some inside scoop for you, my friend. So oh, like, I love uh, this. I have a. I have an insider at Minnesota at the Minnesota Gophers. So I, and he's someone who he works around the program. He goes to all the stuff and he, and he's a good guy. Um, and he said that the kid that's having the best spring and that's crushing it is Elijah Spencer wide receiver. All right. And he said, he said, this kid, the program loves him. Um, he said he had like, he said again, 11 receptions, 135 yards and a touchdown today. He said, he said he looked great. Um, and I know that quarterback room is not amazing, but I guess he was targeted a ton and the staff loves this kid. And I don't see him getting talked about a lot. So he he messaged me tonight and he said, hey, this kid is is one of those guys. When you're looking at Dylan Wright and all this stuff moving on, he said that that Elijah could be that kid that steps up in that offense. So just keeping just a note out there for all your listeners out there. Like, and again, I trust this kid. I trust this guy. That he's, he's an insider there and he, he loves Minnesota football um, and he works with the team. So that's something to keep note of. No, I, I, I'm, I'm glad you said that again. When Elijah Spencer transferred there, along with like guys like Corey Crooms and everything, a lot of us in the CFF industry are like, "Ugh, what are you guys doing?" But it sounds like, like you said, it sounds like it's working out for Elijah Spencer over there. And again, I want to see the, I, I like Elijah Spencer, the talent. I want to see this QB room improve greatly, yeah. either by having much better reports about Kaliak Manis, or for them to bring in a transfer option. Because again, I don't, I, I. Again, to be fair, Spencer's going completely free in any of your drafts right now. So if you want to take the shot on him, like last pick of your draft, you probably can right now. But we'll definitely see. Let's move on from Minnesota. So a heavy rushing attack historically to the Texas Tech Red Raiders, where they currently have a very, very heavy passing attack with Zach Kitley there. Or do they? We'll get into that a little bit. But good Lord, 
Are we really doing this again between Baron Morton and Tyler Shuck? Apparently we are because Baron Morton looked like the better QB today. Uh, 12 for 20, 143 yards and a touchdown. Also threw a pretty brutal interception, but that one touchdown he did throw was a beauty of a ball. 58-yard touchdown to Loic Fungi. Meanwhile, Tyler Shuck, our expected starting quarterback, a guy that is going as the QB. Where are you, Mr. Shuck? Yeah, QB 12 in our drafts, like like end of the fifth, beginning of the sixth round. This guy went 10 for 20. I've lost my stat. 10 for 23 for 70 yards and two interceptions. Just an absolutely brutal, brutal day for Shuck. So the question remains, what's going on with this quarterback room, Jared? Are you changing your mind? No, I am not because I saw how this staff behaved last year with Shuck and Baron Morton. When Shuck was healthy, he was the guy. Even if he didn't look good in the spring game today, this is a single um, this is a single data point among an entire spring's worth of practices. I still fully believe that Shuck will be the guy to start the year. Now, do I think his leash might be as long as I thought it was before? Maybe not, but even so, I'm still pretty confident there. Kevin, your thoughts on Shuck versus Morton. Are you wanting to dig up this debate from last year? No, I think it's Shuck. I think you hit on the right side. If he came back and he was healthy, he led him to an undefeated record. Like, And he had those 1,000, yeah, 1,300 yards, seven touchdowns down the stretch. Um, and he averaged 243 passing yards per game in that system. Like, he's a, now, as much as like I'm not a big, like, truther here like he's a perfect fit in that system like he really is and i think that's why the coaches like him um and as long as he takes care of that football he's gonna be fine like i don't i don't see him losing a job as long as he doesn't like like you said i think the leash might i don't, I don't think it necessary i want to say it's shorter but it's like oh we have a guy that can step in so it puts a little bit more pressure on him mm -hmm. like but i do think as long as he doesn't turn the ball over he's going to be your starter in 2023 well, the problem is he threw two interceptions in this game, so hopefully that doesn't become a habit for him. <laughs> but with this quarterback question, this is kind of my crazy thought here. Again, bringing back the crazy thought for everybody here. This is the Zach Hitley system, right? Like, yo, you don't you don't invest in running backs here. You invest in the weapons. You in, or you invest in the the uh, wide receivers. You invest in the quarterback. You don't touch the running backs. Taj Brooks, man, I. Last year, he Kitley ran the ball a lot more than I think people were expecting, and I think a lot of that has to do with Taj Brooks being one of the better players in this offense. In this spring game, 15 carries, 74 yards, and a touchdown with no Sir Roderick Thompson there to be his partner in crime, and really none of the other running backs at Texas Tech standing out currently. I think Taj Brooks is in for a pretty big year, especially, again, maybe Shuck and Morton both continue to not be as impressive in the passing attack as, you know, you saw like Bailey Zappi and Austin Reed look in this system. Maybe they lean on Taj Brooks a little bit more as that Mr. Reliable here. So, Kevin, am I crazy here? And like, because Taj Brooks, I've drafted him a ton at the end of best ball drafts because, again, at that point, you're still like he's one of the guys that I think is a true number one starting running back for his team yeah. and he has a ton of upside if they do if they do decide to kind of rely on him a little bit more what do you think 
No, I'm with you there because I think that the running back room is is pretty. I don't want to say barren, but behind Brooks, there's a little, there's unprovenness ish kind of like when you're looking at it. So they can they can rely on him um, and and moving forward. And like you said, based on his ADP and his usage there, no, I, I'm on board with you there. I think seven touchdowns last year as well. Like Brooks can be that guy that you know you see a little bit of production from and that sneaky guy, especially in best ball and like startups that are going on right now. Um, I'm on board in that offense and they did move it around. And then if they want to kind of, when you're looking at what they did last year, their rushing attempts per game was 18th in the country. So really they're actually, you know, like you mentioned, like 41.3, when you're looking at that, and I know it's a little bit RPO and I know some stuff there, but like when you're looking overall, like they do run the ball a little bit and yeah. the rushing percentage was, was in there. So I, I think that there's some tendencies here in this offense that people are overlooking with Brooks. And I think he could be that sneaky ad. And it also really helps again, even if they do go pass heavy a little bit, Brooks is a good pass catcher. Twenty-one or 27 yeah. receptions last year, 164 yards and a touchdown. I wouldn't be surprised if they try to utilize that a little bit more with him. If they re- Again, if they do really want him to be that key part of the offense. So, again, crazy thought, but, you know, I've had crazier. Let's <laughs> go ahead and move on here. Let's go talk about LSU from one quarterback competition to another. Uh, we go from Baron Morton versus Shuck to Jaden Daniels versus Nussmeyer. Before we get into anything here, this game did one of the most un-American things that can possibly be done, and that it is it ended in a tie. This game ended 32-32. to 32. Brian Kelly, what are you doing, bro? What are you doing? You can't let this happen. You got to go into overtime with your spring game. I don't care. Um, anyway, let's get actually into the football side of this. Daniels and Nussmeyer both look good here. Daniels, 11, or 10 for 11, 168 yards, and two touchdowns. Followed that up with Garrett Nussmeyer, 5 for 8, 139 yards, and two touchdowns. Daniels works with the first team. The coaching staff has said that he is their starter moving forward, and that was reflected in the game as Daniels worked with the first team. Nussmeyer worked with the second team. What is Nussmeyer still doing here? Quite frankly, this is this is what's going to happen. Nussmeyer is going to be your starting quarterback at Alabama. Like that oh. to me makes a lot. Of, well, actually, no, I can't say that because they have the SEC um, won't let you transfer intra conference. So yeah. either, but but regardless, like if Bama struggles at quarterback this year, Nussmeyer thinks you're starting quarterback at Bama next year because they have that window open next year for it. But I still don't know what Nussmeyer is doing here, man. Like again. He should he should have saw the writing on the wall the moment that Jaden Daniels came back. I don't care what Brian Kelly sold him and said, like, oh, you did really well in the SEC championship game. We're going to give you a fair shot. No, the hell you weren't. It was going to be Daniels all along. So, Kevin, your thoughts here. Again, I kind of rambled there, but, like, what your thoughts on the LSU quarterback room between Daniels and Nussmeyer? I think Nussmeyer's a guy. Like he is, he can play, and like I and I, I agree with you. I don't think it's out of the question that he starts this year for LSU a little bit, though. Like I, I think Jaden, Jaden's fine. Like Jaden did this. There's a reason why you know, you know, when you're looking at Howard and why he transferred to Ole Miss. Like I think they realize um, Nussmeyer's a guy that can play, and like I, I really like him, and I think that he can really, he can really, he can compete. Uh, to your point. I mean, if you look at Nussmeyer, when you think of like how many teams he could probably start for the SEC, it's probably a lot. Like when you're looking at him overall, like just going through, if you go through that list, like you, I mean, would he start at Georgia? Do you think he'd be the Georgia starting quarterback? 
I, I was literally just thinking about it. I think it would be a legit question between him and Carson Beck. Like I if if, be if, Car- if Carson Beck wasn't there, I'd say yeah, easily over Brock Vandegrift and and Gunnar Stockton. Yeah, like and, and I think that's where you look at him like and I think Kelly's gotta keep him happy because he doesn't want to lose him. Like you don't want to lose this kid. He already lost Howard. Yeah, you already lost Howard. So now you're looking at you got Ricky Collins there. He came in, but what is he going to be? I think I think Nussmeier's a guy. Like I think that if I was him, I'd be getting him in there. And especially because like he offers the ceiling play. I don't think Jaden Daniels is a ceiling play. I think Nussmeier is. I think that he can elevate that offense, especially with that wide receiver room with what Mm -hmm. they have there. And they did very well. Like just overall, like just looking at the recruiting class and the transfer portal, they crushed it. Neighbors being there and there. Nussmeyer offers that that upside there. And I wish he would start because I do think that as a passer, he's much better than Daniels. Yeah, I'm trying to look at the SEC championship from last year because when that's when we got our real first long look at Nussmeyer in that. And it really fed into these wide receivers. Again, Malik Neighbors, five receptions, 128 yards and a touchdown. Booty, you got over 100 yards. Dre Jenkins got 72 yards. Like, again, you if you can consistently feed three wide receivers like that, you're getting closer to Joe Burrow levels from a couple of years yeah. ago. I'm not saying Nussmeyer is Joe Burrow or anything like that, but it still provides that opportunity where that passing is actually so efficient when Nussmeyer is out there that it could definitely provide for multiple guys to be relevant there. Um, and those guys look like this year. It looks like your three starting wide receivers are Neighbors, uh, Brian Thomas, and Kyron Lacey. Do with that information what you will. I know Neighbors is going very high in a lot of our leagues right now. If I'm if I can find him real quick on the ADP sheet, there he is, wide receiver thirteen. Do you feel comfortable with that, Kevin? Like in a C to C format or not C to C uh, CFF format? Probably not in a CFF format. I'm a big neighbors guy in Debbie because I do think he projects pretty well in terms of like draft capital. Like if you're thinking second round probably is what my grade is on him right now. Um, Not with Daniels as my quarterback. Like I don't like, and I like Jaden. Like this feels like I'm just hating on Jaden, but like I struggle. We saw now, whatever you think of Keisha Boutte, like we saw him kind of nuke that. Now neighbors did get a thousand yards last year. So he saw that, but I do think that this wide receiver room is better this year. Like, so when we're looking at like overall, I do think that it's there um, that, that are guys out there too. Like, and I, and I think overall, when you're looking at that, like, you know, Anderson being there as well, like we're seeing these other guys out there that we haven't necessarily seen. So like, where's that production come from? I think that's mm-hmm. the question mark. I mean, much, I'd be much happier with neighbors being where he's at with Nesmeyer as a starting quarterback. With Daniels, I think it's a, I think it's a, it's a risky play. Like I do like neighbors, but don't get me wrong. Like if you draft him, I think you're okay. Um, but I do think that you're, you're, it's a little bit more riskier with Daniels being there. Well, I mean, again, let's look at the first 12, 12 games of the season. How many, how many touchdowns did Malik neighbors score in the first, in, in 12 games of the regular season, Kevin? Oh man, he put him on a spot. I know he had three overall. I won. One. He scored one. Okay. Yeah. Scored and then he scored one in the SEC championship and then one in the bowl game. He had one throughout the entirety of the year, and that came against Southern University. Everything else, he was nothing. <laughs> so yeah. it definitely bad, either bad touchdown luck or maybe Daniels just doesn't target him in the end zone. We'll definitely see. But we got two more to cover here, and hopefully we aren't going too long here. Let's go and talk about Nebraska. Kevin, you definitely got a good long look at this game. I have not touched this game whatsoever. So everything you were about to tell me is going to be a complete surprise to me. What's going on with the Cornhuskers? What can we expect? Yeah, you know, nothing like huge to that about this game. I think the overall, I, I think the art, overarching kind of theme of this is Jeff Sims probably quarterback one. Like, I, I think that... 
I think, you know, Casey Thompson was out. No other quarterback looked very good. But I I do think that moving forward, he was nine for 13, 139 yards. Um, that offense, it was they had a lot, they had some fumbles. I think two or three fumbles too. Like it was not, it was very clunky. So this this game was not a fun watch. Um, but I do think moving forward, Jeff Sims is gonna be that guy, just because I do think that Matt Rule likes what he kind of brings to the table as a quarterback. I do like running back by committee is one thing I highlighted here. Mm-hmm. Anthony Grant had 14 carries, but just 34 yards. So it wasn't very efficient there. Gabe Irvin was out there eight for 20 and a touchdown. Raheem Johnson is a guy that I like. I like Raheem um, Johnson because I do think that he's explosive and he's explosive back. He had six carries for 35 yards. Um, but this offense was not good. Like, mm-hmm. and it was not, it was not something that this is a work in progress here. And I, and I think it's going to be clunky all year. I think until they get that, solidified quarterback position he gets that offensive line help um their offensive line looked bad in this game too like I, that was one thing i highlighted just watching a lot of these games and i've watched a lot of the spring games as much as i can offensive line's a problem around college football right now except yep. for freaking georgia georgia's got everybody but like yeah. I think you're, when you're just looking at like these teams like i think there's an issue with nebraska's offensive line i still like anthony grant though like he, he i think he ran the hardest out of all these guys and i do think he has that upside there but sims is your quarterback one i think sims is going to step in and i think he's going to be that guy all righty. Um, again, one thing I wanted wanted to touch on here, Kevin. This is a thought I had earlier. I sent it in the in the CFF chat we have here at C to C, where this kind of thought I had, where a lot of people are like pointing out, like, oh, this 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 running back room is uh, RBBC, like running back by committee, uh, and just look at their spring game and everything. Look how much they spread it around and everything. I am personally thinking it, we can't take that away from spring games because there's no incentive in spring games to feed one guy or to truly show how much you're going to ride one guy why would you do that it first of all you're already running less in a spring game than i think you would do in the fall because that's the most physical part of football that's where people are going to get hurt for the most part so you're trying to limit that as much as possible and then you're already going to try to limit your if you if you got a star guy that you are going to ride why risk those plays in the spring game you're gonna he's gonna get a lot less work in the spring game that you're gonna see during the regular season. It's just a thought that I kinda had. Not calling you out specifically with this Nebraska thing. It was just something I see a lot of people yeah. do around the industry. And I think people just need to hold your horse a little bit. Just because it looks like an RBBC in the spring game doesn't mean it's gonna be an RBBC by the fall. Yeah, no, you, and these this is also a new coaching staff. So they True. they want to see what they got. Like I think the other thing too is like these coaching staffs, a lot of these guys. They want to see what these guys can do on the field. And and it would not shock me to see maybe one of these guys transfer. Like there are still opportunities where you're going to see some of these coaching staffs talk to these guys afterwards and be like, hey, this isn't, you're not in the running. Like, hey, this is where we're going to lend a lean. Yep. I think there's that. If I'm going to pick a guy in this, it's going to be Grant though. Like if I'm going to go and that's my guy, like if I'm looking for production this year, I think Grant's that dude's going to step up. Like that's the guy I've liked Grant for a long time. I do think that he can kind of be in there as long as he gets his head out of his butt. Like he, he makes a lot of dumb off the field stuff, but if he can stay on the field and he, and he's not going to get suspended in those things, I think Grant offers the most upside at that position. We'll see what Matt Rule is able to do. I mean, he brought in Eric Gilbert this year, so maybe he's got a thing for like turn, turning yeah. around people who can't get their heads out of their butts. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. we'll definitely see. you got one last game to cover here. Let's go back over to the Pac-12. Unfortunately, we couldn't really cover the Washington Huskies because they had their spring game pretty much going on right as we were recording this. So maybe we'll get to that one later. But right now, let's go talk about their cross-state rivals here in Palmer, the Washington State Cougars, 
Man, a little bit of a disappointment last year with all the hype of the Eric Morris offense coming here. Cam Ward following him. Was this going to be Western Kentucky 2.0? Did not come to light, but ironically... Eric Morris is gone, and the Western Kentucky offensive coordinator, Ben Arkbuckle, comes here. And quite frankly, it looks like there is going to be some improvement from Cameron Ward and this offense this year. I think part of that has to do that I think we all overinflated Eric Morris's value as an offensive coordinator. Because, quite frankly, after Eric Morris left Incarnate Word, the guy who came in afterwards, G.J. Kenny, who's now at Texas State, did better with the same pieces than Eric Morse did the year after that he was gone. And now you come over to Washington State where Eric Morris did not run a very good offensive system there. And now Ben Arbuckle comes in and Cameron Moore just looks a whole lot better. 259 first half passing yards from Cameron Ward. His deep ball is looking a lot better. So... I think Cameron Ward is a guy that is you are able to buy at a discounted rate compared to last year. Again, last year you had Cameron Ward going in the top 24 of your QBs. Now he's going at QB 33. You're looking at him around the 12th, 13th round of your drafts. I think that's a completely fair range for a guy who, if, if, Ben Arb again, he's been very complimentary about, about Ben Arbuckle coming in and helping his development. If that development is true, you're getting a steal at QB 33, and Cameron Ward could look really, really good in the Pac-12 next year. So, Kevin, am I talking crazy here? Am I hyping oh. up the return of Cameron Ward a little bit too much here? What do you think? Sir, you are talking to the Cam Ward guy, okay? Like, listen, this is the year. And I and I will say this. I hope he does better because I got him a lot of freaking C2C teams. Uh, <laughs> but, but if you can get him, like, if you can get Cam Ward in this offense, and I thought he was not bad last year. I thought he was efficient. I didn't think that, like, like I, I won a league with Cam Ward as my QB2. Now, I did have Caleb Williams as my QB1. But, okay, he's still my QB2 on there. And, and I think that... Like efficiency wise, like I think he'll be better this year. I think that there was some as a coach, as a former coach, actually I'm retired, but like there was some ugh on that team. So like yeah. that's like you could tell there was some chemistry stuff. And then he stayed. And I think that he he really showed some like leadership qualities, I thought, by staying, because there were some mm -hmm. rumors. And I think he I think he matured. And again, it's a big jump from, you know, going to Division One, going to that Pac-12, kind of like we're going to see with Shador Sanders, like I mentioned earlier. Um, and, I, and I think he can. I think, hey, Ben Arbuckle they have in there, you know, like those passing yards that we see. Um, I like that, you know, in terms of like Sheffield and those guys that are there. I'm a, I'm a big fan. And again, we've been mentioning like that 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 tier, the 9 to 12 round tier. Yep. Cam's going in that area. And to be honest, like I love Cam in that area. Like Jalen Daniels is around there, Preston Stone's around there, Tanner Mordecai, Monroe, Jaden Delora's around there, Hartman's around there, Taylor Green's around there. Give me Cam Ward all day of those yeah. guys. Like I'll I'll take Cam in that in that area. So like if I can get Cam in the ninth round, I'm I'm probably pretty happy with that because that's a that's like a quarterback early, and then I'm gonna just pound position players and get Cam Ward as my QB two. I think you'd be. I think you're more comfortable with Cam Ward as your QB2, though. Like, and I think you're excited about him having him in that roster, especially at that position. And, yeah, I'll take the discount all day. Like, I'm really rooting for that kid because I think I think he can really give you some CFF production this year. I think I still feel a little bit more comfortable with him as my QB3 compared to oh, my QB2. I'm a truther, baby. Don't, I'm a truther, but Jared. Like, I'm a QB2 all day. But, like, I, lo I love the value of getting him as my QB3. But here's the thing. He finishes, like you said, he... We all kind of trash on him for last year, but he finishes a QB 38 last year. Yeah. 
what's the path to him finishing below that this year outside of injury? He gets an upgraded offensive coordinator, in my opinion. Like you said, he has another year to develop. I I find it especially hard to find a path to where he somehow does worse than that this year. And part of that has to do with the fact that he has some really good weapons to play with. And we'll transfer over to my other point here. We're not talking enough about DT Sheffield. This is a guy that has had a consistent drum beat throughout spring and looked incredible in this spring game. In my opinion, clearly the best out of the wide receivers, and they got some pretty good options at wide receiver over there. He's not in my Q, in my wide receiver rankings right now, and I, I would have fixed that by now except for the fact we have a freeze on our wide receiver rankings until we do our wide receiver summits. He's going to fly right up there. I, I, I've been way too late on adding him to my rankings. It's just I kept forgetting to add him. He's going to be a guy that I'm probably going to be putting in my, at least in my top 36 wide receivers. I'm really in on DT Sheffield at this point. What do you think, Kevin? No, I'm, I'm with you. I think uh, Bainbridge has been on this too, or it's Josh. I don't know which one. I think it's Bainbridge. Uh, Bainbridge, what, Bainbridge yeah, definitely. Bain, Bainbridge has been pounding the train. And whenever Bainbridge talks, I listen. He's smart. Uh, I don't want to give him too much credit, but he, he, and he, and he was kind of really, he doesn't listen to this podcast. Pretty, you can, you can, you can, you can praise him all you want. He won't hear you. Oh, uh, well, never mind. Let me, let me talk some crap. No, I think, uh, no, and he was on that early. Yeah, I think if you're looking at this offense, if you believe in Cam Ward, you're going to believe in Sheffield. And I think that's where you're going to earn the targets in the slot. We saw that last year with the slot position in this offense. I'm all aboard that train. And I think um, I think he's undervalued considerably right now. Like, get him now, though, because he's not going to be. After people start no. talking about him, they see the spring game and stuff, you're going to see that. But, no, I think you're right. I think you're looking at the targets, you and you may in this offense, that elevation of Cam Ward, I'm all in, buy in. All righty. I'm glad we're on the same page there. And I think we're on the same page that we're pretty much at the end of our show. Kevin, you've been absolutely awesome. It has taken way too long for me to get you on here. Uh, But we finally did, and I really appreciate it. I'm definitely going to have you on in the future for more awesome stuff. Speaking of awesome stuff, Kevin, tell everybody out there what it is you do, where your shows are, and yeah, pretty much everything you do. Let's hear it. Yeah, you can. Um, so you can find my written work and a lot of my fantasy stuff for football guys. Uh, it's where I do a lot of my dynasty content. Um, if you like Debbie or college football content, we have the Debbie Royale. Uh, we have a Patreon. We do the Debbie Manifesto, which is a like a, it's a way too big guide. It's over like almost 400 pages now. And we do breakdowns, Deb charts, um, recruiting battles, all that. We have a Discord. Uh, and then we have weekly podcasts on the Patreon. So it's only three bucks to join. You get all that content plus um you know plus the discord plus you know weekly kind of trade articles and, and stuff like that so if you want debbie stuff it's in our patreon as far as fantasy goes though you can do all the football guys stuff that i do i do a weekly show on their youtube channel uh we have our college football guys podcast which uh is a kind of a three shows in one we really focus on 2023 rookies and then we kind of dive into the 2024 class until the summer and then we get into college football from there on um and you can find that on the youtube channel and then on itunes it's the football guys college football show Yeah, go check out everything that Kevin does. Again, one of the smartest and sweetest guys in the entirety of the space. He's just an awesome, awesome dude. Willing to help out anybody out there. Whether you're a guy who is just playing fantasy football or you're a brand new content creator, Kevin is definitely one of the most welcoming people in the space. So be sure to reach out to him at Boys underscore 22 on Twitter. And speaking of Twitter, again, you can follow myself at CFF underscore Jared and the show at Chasing the Natty. You guys heard my whole spiel earlier. Be sure to reach out with any kind of questions that you have. Love talking to you guys in the comments, in the DMs, on Twitter, anywhere you want to 
talk. With that all being said, really appreciate you guys listening. Kevin, you have been awesome, and I hope every one of you have an awesome and blessed week. See you.